and love hearing it. All right. Does anybody know who that character is that's on the screen? What's the cowardly lion, right? Not just the lion. It's the cowardly lion from Wizard of Oz, right? When uh, David Moorhead saw that, he said, oh, that's Dorothy. <laughs> no, it's not Dorothy. It's not Dorothy. It's the cowardly lion. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this is a new sermon series about how to be brave. It's about overcoming our fears, our worries, and our anxieties. And we live in such a stressful society. I mean, sometimes you just shake your head and wonder how long this can go on. And it becomes pretty burdensome. On Friday this week, about 1 o'clock, I received a phone call from Crossroads Nursing Facility that they had taken my mom to the emergency room. Yeah, exactly what I said. Uh, I was very concerned, and immediately I thought, all right, Lord, you're going to make me experience this message before I preach it. The stress, the worry, the anxiety of not knowing how your mom is when you're on the way to the emergency room. They told me that she was displaying symptoms of a stroke. So I didn't know what to expect when I got there. She was in the emergency room, and I walked in and looked at her. She looked just like my mom. So I said, stick your tongue out, Mom, which is... One of the uh, ways we check to see if somebody's had a stroke. She did that. She she stuck her tongue out at me. I said, smile. She smiled. And I stuck my hand down beside her and I said, grip, grip these three fingers here and just squeeze. Because they were telling me she had weakness on her left side. So she did. She had a good, strong grip. She looked at me. She said, I can squeeze harder. My fingers were turning blue. I said, okay. Uh, all the symptoms had disappeared by the time I got to the emergency room. They checked her out and uh, they said there was nothing unusual in the CAT scan. No bleeding on the brain. No evidence of a stroke. Now, when I first heard those things, I admit to you, I thought, oh my goodness, what now? And I paused and prayed, and I said, Lord, you know what is best. You are fully in control. Help me to trust you. But all of that, 
I am confident, was to give me a fresh experience of what you all face on a regular basis. Because we all face things like this. When a loved one is in crisis, or we get a bad report from the doctor, or something else creates real stress and anxiety for us. And this is not isolated to adults. Young people are experiencing stress and anxiety in epidemic proportions. And if you look around at our world, it's no wonder. But it is clear from Scripture that God does not want us to panic. So this is a sermon series about how to be brave, about overcoming our fears, our worries, our anxieties. How do I do that? And how can I learn to simply rest in the Father's love? Because I want that. I, I want to be able to rest in God's love, rest confidently that he is fully in control no matter what the circumstances are around me. I want that. I want that for me and I want that for you. And if you're looking from the outside at somebody's life, you can tell them those things. But if you're the one going through it, you have to grab that for yourself. And we're going to talk about those things today. I have a couple of uh, slides that I wanted to show you regarding stress, anxiety, worry, fear. What is that? That's a panic button. <laughs> I confess to you that on Friday at 1 o'clock, I was ready to hit the panic button. Listen, I already had my day planned. K-Day is Friday. I, and my day was planned. This was an interruption, an unexpected interruption in my plans. And I was about to hit the panic button. What, 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 what are we going to do? You know, your heart starts pounding a little bit, and your breath becomes short, and you start feeling sweaty, and you know, you know, all those things, right? You hit the panic button. Okay. Here's another one. All those words, panic attacks, anxiety, emotional distress, emotional disorders, fear, stress, sweating, headaches, scared, chest pain, phobias, all that stuff. And it's magnified when you're in it, right? That's the magnifying glass. It's magnified when you're in the midst of it. It's like it takes over you. And, and your body just reacts to this stress from the outside by... Panicking. I know that some of you have experienced panic attacks, and they're horrible. You feel like you're going to die. Sometimes, I want to say this up front, sometimes there is a chemical reason for that in your body. Sometimes there is a chemical imbalance in your brain, and you really do need medication to help you overcome those things. 
sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. If panic attacks hit you and there's no visible reason for it, uh, you may need some medication. And a good doctor can prescribe a medication that will help with those things. But in the vast majority of cases, our panic and anxiety are things that we can do something about if we will take God at his word. All right, here's another slide. This is a picture of a lady who's got her hands on her head. It's almost like she's trying to get focused. And she's trying not to let these feelings of fear and anxiety get on top of her and control her. And I know that feeling. Had my head dropped down and I'm going, my goodness, what am I going to do next? I want, in those situations, to turn immediately to the Lord. Because he is present with me and he certainly doesn't want me to experience fear, right? Uh, perfect love casts out fear. God's perfect love casts out fear. 365 times in the Bible, the words fear not appear. 365 times. Why would God put fear not in the Bible 365 times? One for every day of the year, right? Fear not, fear not. Doesn't want us to be afraid. Doesn't want us to experience anxiety. Anxiety and worry and stress are not things that are from the Lord. So what can we do about this? If you have a, your Bibles, you want to follow along. I'm reading from Philippians chapter 4. Some very familiar verses. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. The New Living Translation says, Don't worry about anything. That's what it says. That's how it's translated. But listen. New King James, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Is it true? Hold up. Is it true that if I pray about everything, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, that is, it is not human in its resource, it is divine, this is beyond our understanding, that is, it is a supernatural peace. Listen to it. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Is it true? Then what stands between us and the truth of this verse? If, if, this, is, if this is indeed true, 
If this promise from God is for everybody, and it is indeed true, what stands between us? Huh? Fear. Fear keeps me from claiming this promise. Fear keeps me from acting upon the word of God. Fear keeps me from enjoying the peace of God which passes understanding. And I share with you that I had a choice when I got the phone call. I could go into a panic and let it overtake me, or I could turn to the Lord and experience His peace. I'm happy to tell you, let me back up. I don't always make that choice, right? I don't always make the right choice. Sometimes I just go ahead and panic. Okay? So I, I'm not setting myself up as the model here. But I'm telling you that on Friday I turned to the Lord and His peace overwhelmed me. I was at peace. Didn't understand it, didn't like it, but I was at peace. I had an internal calm that is beyond explanation. Doesn't always happen that way for me. Sometimes I panic. Sometimes I get angry. You know that fear and anger are two sides of the same sheet of paper? So sometimes when you're angry, what's really going on is you're afraid. Yes? Everybody with me? Okay. So Paul wrote this passage, this letter to the Philippians, and does anybody know where Paul was when he wrote it? Where was he? He was in jail. He wrote this letter to the Philippians from the confines of a prison cell. The first century prison cells were not made for comfort. There was no cable TV, no air conditioning, not even a place to lay down that was comfortable. They were dark, damp, rodent-infested, disease-ridden death traps. And many people who went to prison died in prison because of disease and because of the conditions. In spite of the dismal circumstances, the Apostle Paul dismisses the reason for anxiety and finds the peace of God. He wrote this from a prison cell while under arrest and facing execution. P a prayer, listen, prayer is the key to overcoming our fears, our worries, and our anxieties. You know that all of us know this, but actually putting it into practice, calling upon the name of the Lord, when we feel the panic and the anxiety and the stress, when we feel fearful, actually calling on the name of the Lord can make a huge difference if we'll just do it. These verses tell us that we can experience God's peace even in the most difficult circumstances. So how are we to pray? In everything, we're to pray. Did you read the verse? Pray about everything. 
Pray about everything. Everything that happens. Every incident. Every circumstance. Every situation. Everything that affects us, God wants us to pray about. Well, that means I'd be praying all the time. Would that be such a bad thing? We're to pray in everything and about everything. And we're to focus on the Father and we're to tell Him our requests. And in the midst of all of this, Paul says we should be thankful. So what should we be thankful for in the midst of a situation that's creating anxiety for us? Does anybody know? That He is in control. So the very first thing I might say is, Father, thank you for being in control in this situation. Amen? Thank you that you are fully in control in this situation, that I don't have anything to fear. You are in control. So if I know that to be true, and I thank Him in prayer, and then I talk to Him about whatever it is that's going on, I can experience God's peace. Paul uses a really unusual word to describe our anxieties. It's a word that means needless worry or concern. It's the word, the Greek word, merimate. Needless worry or concern. The idea here is that we're to realize there really isn't anything to worry about. If God is fully in control, then we really don't have anything to worry about. Because everything that He is in control of ultimately works out for the good of every child of God. Amen. So we must submit these things to God and choose to trust Him, and that will eliminate the needless anxiety. Here's an interesting side thought. Jesus uses this, this same Greek word in different forms in Matthew chapter 6. So why don't you turn there with me? And let me read this passage. Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus says about worry and anxiety. He uses the same word six times. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Listen to what he says. Therefore I say to you, do not worry. If Jesus says do not worry, and you are worrying, then what are you doing? It's sin, isn't it? It's disobedience to God. So worry is a form of disobedience to God. If you're worrying, then you're not trusting. Listen to this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. It's the same word that Paul used in Philippians 4. Do not worry. Be anxious for nothing. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The answer is, of course. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Not going to help. Worry is wasteful. It drains you of energy. It drains you of emotion. It drains you of strength. It's exhausting. It's needless. Verse 28, so why do you worry? Same word, by the way. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry. Sounds like he's repeating himself here. He does. He's, he's drilling it down, isn't he? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's what Jesus said about this problem of worry. Don't do it. He uses the same word the Apostle Paul used. Be anxious for nothing. I wanted to share with you five ways that we create worry for ourselves and the solutions that can help us avoid that problem. Five ways. And if you're following along in your listening guide, here are the five ways. The number one way we create anxiety and fear in our lives is through words. Words. Yes, our very words can create an environment of anxiety or peace. And when we begin to speak negatively about a situation, we can literally drown ourselves in fear, worry, and anxiety. Here's the solution. Speak words of faith and speak words of truth and speak words of promise and speak words of life and speak words of scripture. Find a verse and make it your go-to solution. Now, I've listed some verses that you may want to jot down on the back of your listening guide. Philippians chapter 4 is just an awesome chapter. Verses 6 and 7 we've already read, right? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a great verse to memorize and to claim as your own when you're facing anxiety on a regular basis. But then there's verse 13. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a great verse to hang your life on. 
And when you're facing anxiety and fear and worry, why not grab that verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And why don't you make that your solution? Well, listen to Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your needs. All your needs. Whatever you need. So if I'm in the midst of panic and I need peace, will he supply that need? And my God will supply all your need according to according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great verse to solve my worry and anxiety? And instead of going into panic and say, Oh God, you promised you will meet every need I have. And I need your peace right now. Well, what a great verse. There's some more. Listen to this one. Matthew eleven twenty six. I love this verse. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Same idea. Put my heart at rest, put my mind at rest, put my spirit at rest, put my body at rest. I don't want to be all tied up and stressed and worried, and I don't want to be shaking and sweating, and I don't want to be... <sighs> Give me rest, Lord. What about a great verse like that as a solution? Instead of saying, God, what if, and oh no, I don't want this to happen, and oh, this is so bad, and, and all those negative things we say that create an environment for anxiety to thrive, instead of that, why don't we say, and the peace of God shall guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and my God shall supply all my need. And Lord, you promised if I came to you, you'd give me rest. Huh? What about that? How about another one? Look at Jeremiah 33 3. It says this Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Lord, instead of panicking right now, I'm calling upon you, and you promised you would answer me. May I ask a question? If I call upon him in my time of need, is he going to answer me? Of course he will. He made that promise. So I can either grab hold of the promises of God and rest in that, or I can grab hold of panic and rest in that. Another one. Isaiah 26.3, one of my favorites. This is the verse, by the way, that I grabbed hold of on Friday. Listen to it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that verse came immediately to my mind and I said, Lord, I don't want to let my mind go anyplace else to let it be stayed on you. Amen? So what a great solution to this problem of words. Instead of quoting my anxiety and creating an environment for it to thrive, I can quote Scripture and create an environment for God's will to thrive. Here's another. Another one of my favorite verses. Listen to this. Hebrews 
Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord. Lord, I'm in this situation right now. I don't know what's going to happen. It's difficult for me. But you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm claiming your presence right now. You know what? If you can sense the presence of God, I guarantee you, your anxiety will disappear. Something about God's presence that just drives that out. Here's another. You know this verse, right? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. And so, Lord, here I am in this situation and it's out of control and I don't know what to do, but You promised You were going to make all of this turn out for good. I claim Your promise. Why not fill your mind and your mouth with those words rather than, Oh my, what is going to happen? This is awful. Uh, Which environment do you want to create? Which environment do you want to live in? Great solution. I think there might be one more. Yeah, there is. This is kind of the go-to verse for a whole lot of people. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Father, I don't like this situation I'm in. I find it extremely stressful. But I'm putting my trust in You, and I don't have to understand what's going on. So I'm trusting You, and I claim Your promise that You are going to guide me through this. If I put my trust in the Lord, will He guide me through it? Of course He will. And why not fill the environment with those words? The words of life, the words of truth, the words of promise, instead of negative words that just make anxiety thrive. Here's the second way we create anxiety. Approach. Our approach to any situation can send us into fear and anxiety. Sometimes simple adjustments in my preparation, like prayer, simple adjustment like prayer, can eliminate our anxiety. So, here's the solution. When I feel anxiety beginning to build, immediately turn to God in prayer. Don't wait. Do it immediately. What does it say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So if I'm getting ready to face a potentially stressful situation, I need to bathe it in prayer. I need to talk to the Father. I need to claim His presence. I need to approach the situation 
completely different than I've always done. If I approach the situation expecting to go into panic, guess what? I'm going to go into panic. But if I approach that situation by first preparing in prayer, and saying, God, I really don't understand what's happening. I don't like it. It's hurtful. It's stressful. But I'm turning to you in prayer. Because you said in your word, if I'd come to you, you'd help me. A different approach can dissipate anxiety. I'll just tell you, something happens in your brain when you approach it with prayer. There's a different track that your mind runs on when you approach things with prayer. But if you neglect prayer, the same old track will come. And it'll take you right down the road of anxiety and stress and fear. Yeah, you know, you really can make a choice about what you're going to think on. You can make a choice and say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to let that overcome my mind and my emotions. I'm going to talk to the Father right now. Third, voices. The voices we allow to speak into our lives can create anxiety. If I have a steady diet of what the media offers, then I shouldn't be surprised by high levels of anxiety. Let me tell you, these people that sit around and listen to nothing but Fox News all day long, I don't know why they're still sane. You know, and it's almost... It's almost like you're inviting anxiety. I mean, the things that are being reported are not good things. They're things that naturally create anxiety and worry and fear. So if you're letting that voice speak into your life, you probably ought to stop doing that. Voices that speak into our lives have a lot to do with whether we're going to handle a situation with wisdom and maturity and godliness or panic and fear and stress. Whatever voice you allow to speak into your life. Right now, you're sitting here allowing me to speak into your life. And I'm speaking words of truth and promise and life and healing and grace. And that's what you want. You want that kind of voice speaking into your life. But some of us are surrounded by people who are nothing but negative. And the situation comes up and they're just like that in our ears. And what does that do to you? If you let that voice speak into your life, it's going to send you down the road of panic and anxiety and fear. So you've got to make a choice there about what voices you allow to speak into your life. Here's the solution. Limit the kinds of voices that speak into my life. If it's negative, then cut it off. If it's positive, then give it more attention. Let me be real practical here with you for just a second. 
<clears throat> some of the worst times that I have struggling with things are on Saturday night. Because anybody guess why? Because I'm getting ready to preach on Sunday morning and the devil would love nothing better than to get me distracted. So I have some things that I do to prepare myself. And limiting the voices that speak into my life is one of those. But I do some practical things. For instance, I know in my life that chamomile tea calms me down. So I drink chamomile tea on Saturday night. I intentionally do that. If you find something like that that helps you, a natural remedy like chamomile tea, then I advise you to take advantage of that. There's something else that I figured out really helps. Here it is. I found that if I breathe correctly, it helps me. This is what I learned. It's a technique. I pass it on to you. If you will slow your breathing down, it will help you immensely. And here's the way you do it. Breathe in to the count of four. One, two, three, four. Then hold it for the count of four. One, two, three, four. Then let it out to the count of four. One, two, three, four. Then don't do anything to the count of four. One, two, three, four. You do that ten times and your body will adjust. It's amazing. It's just a simple exercise that you can do to help you limit the stress and anxiety. So there's practical things we can do and there's scriptural things we can do. And we want to combine those things to help us face whatever it is that's going on in our lives. Want to know more about that breathing technique? I'll be glad to share it with you. But it's very helpful. Number four, expectations. This is a big one for all of us. We get anxious when we expect all of life to run smoothly and be easy. If you expect all of life to run smoothly and be easy, you are fooling yourself. That creates anxiety. We should prepare for each day by realizing we face an enemy of our souls who wants to cause us anxiety and stress and he wants us to operate that way. So here's the solution. Prepare for every day by putting on the armor of God and spending time in the Word of God. That is, every day I need to prepare myself, realizing that I'm in a spiritual battle with the forces of wickedness in this world system. If I don't prepare myself for that, I'm going to be hit with stress, fear, worry, and anxiety. It is what the devil operates with. He loves to create an environment that creates stress for you and me. He loves doing that kind of thing. So what do I do? Well, I put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. And I get into the Word and let God's Word speak to my heart. 
And I say, that's the way I want to start the day. When I determine to start the day that way, it helps me to face the day with a greater confidence and a greater awareness that God really is in control. So expectations. Now, I want everything to run smoothly. I want it to all be just like I planned, but that just is not realistic, is it? The final one is shame. Shame creates worry, stress, fear, anxiety. When we walk in shame, we walk in dread that our past is going to catch up with us. There's this constant feeling of dread, fear, and failure that follows us around. And the devil just loves to capitalize on that. But we should remind him of the songs we were singing earlier. Jesus paid the full price for all of our sins at the cross. He took our shame once and for all. You can claim it. You can live in it. You can believe it. You can receive it. Let me just share with you. If you are in a stressful situation, just try singing one of God's songs. You know, instead of focusing in on the stress of your situation, why not start this way? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It's hard to be stressed when you're singing that song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, it's hard to be stressed when you're singing about the blood of Christ. You know why that's true? When praise is coming out of your mouth and your mind is thinking about the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing you from all sin, it's hard for the devil to get in there and create stress for you. It's li- I'll just share this with you. It's like your praises make him allergic. And it drives him away. Because the moment you start singing praises to God, instead of focusing on your shame and your guilt and all this other junk, instead of focusing on the stress and the fear and the worry, instead of focusing on those things, you're focusing on the Lord. Which is where your mind needs to be anyway. My mom taught me at a young age. She said, when you're feeling down and discouraged, and you're just feeling really terrible. She said, just start singing praises to the Lord. She said, it's amazing how it'll lift you up. I took that to heart. You know what the nurse told me on Saturday morning when I went to see my mom? Guess what she told me? She was singing. The nurse sat there and she said, you know, your mom is a woman of faith. She's been singing praises to Jesus. This is a woman that has dementia, who has every reason just to give up and feel sorry for herself. What would she do? Singing praises to God. 
So yes, there are some practical things we can do. And yes, there are some biblical things that we can do to help us overcome the fear, the stress, the worry, the anxiety. Yes, there's some things we can do. And the promises of God are, if you will put your trust in me, I will take care of this. Will he or will he not? He's a God that you and I can trust. Would you bow with me in prayer? Let's talk to the Father. Father, I know that there are people sitting here this morning who deal with this problem almost daily. Father, you know in my own life that I've struggled with worry and fretfulness. And I've been fearful at times. And I'm so glad that you have promises for us. I'm so glad that you are true to your word. And I'm so glad that your promises are true. That indeed I can turn to you in prayer and your peace will guard my heart and mind. I'm so glad that I really can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, I rejoice that you have promised to supply all my need. I'm grateful that when I call upon you, you do answer. I'm grateful that as I trust in you, you will guide my steps. I'm grateful that you promised you will never leave me nor forsake me. Dear Father, would you just drill those scriptures into me so deeply that they become more natural to me than my own reactions? May the Holy Spirit use the Word of God to help all of us to grow in our faith. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. May your word find a place in our hearts as we receive it today, as we believe it and act upon it. I do pray for those who struggle, Lord. And I ask you to bring victory to their lives as they take small steps of faith. Allow them to experience the victory of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being so faithful, Lord. As we close in prayer, we're still praying and talking to the Father. There's some next steps that we really should take, and there might be somebody here that needs to make a commitment to Christ today. Perhaps you need to commit your life to the Lord Jesus. You realize that you've never done that. Today would be a great day because he's here. You'll commit your life to him. He'll not only save you and forgive you, he'll give you a home in heaven for eternity. You'll experience eternal life, acceptance from the Father, love from the Father. I want you to know his unfailing love. I want you to know about his forgiveness. 
So if you need to make that commitment today, I'd love to talk with you after church today. Some of you may need to recommit your life to Christ. Yeah, you, you're, you're saved and you're a child of God and you already know that. But you need to make a new commitment to the Lord because really you've been neglecting your relationship with Him. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Can I ask you to do that? Right now in prayer, can I ask you to do that? Can I ask you to make that commitment to the Lord today? Recommit your life? Some of you are here and you need to become a member at Eastside Baptist Church. You've been just sort of sitting by waiting. And, but this is a church fellowship where you know you're going to be fed God's Word and it's a place where you can serve the Lord and grow in your faith and maybe you need to make that commitment today. I encourage you to come and share with me the close of our service today. If that's your next step. And some of you need to be baptized. You've never been scripturally baptized. It's believer's baptism. On the 17th of April, we're going to have a baptism service. We have a couple of people already waiting to be baptized. And if you'd like to be baptized, you want to make that commitment, that's your next step. And I'd ask you to come and talk with me about that after the service today. Let that be your next step. And some of us today simply need to make the next step of saying, God, I heard you speaking to me today. And I want you to know I fully intend to obey you. That may be your next step. Dear Father, how we thank you. Your word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which you send it out. Would you continue to teach us and lead us as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with a whole heart, with all of our hearts, Lord. Continue to lead us and grow us and mature us in our faith. We may reflect the presence of our dear Savior and we may bring him glory. It's in his great and powerful name that we pray. Amen.